Tonight's date is December 18th, 2019. Our title is Reaching for the Stars. Man. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis 15, 4 through 6, and we will jump right into the Word. Say there when you're there. Genesis 15, 4 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars. Everybody say, Look up. Look up. You see, Abraham had to look up out of his present situation and set his mind on things above. Abraham had to look up away from where he was and look up at something heavenly. Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. You see, there's a pause there. He says, look up and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. What do you think Abraham's doing? There's a pause. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. What do you think is happening? What do you think Abraham's doing in between that pause before God says to him about his offspring? Counting stars. Abraham's probably trying to look up and count them. You see, we've heard this preached a thousand times, but imagine what Abraham was thinking, seeing, and feeling when he was looking at those stars. Yeah. We had the chance on our last trip to Israel... We were driving through the Negev desert. We stopped on the side of the road and we pulled over our cars and we went out into a field and we began to look up at the same stars that Abraham looked at. Come on now. I want to tell you, the Negev desert is a lot clearer of a sky than here in Houston. (laughs) I want to tell you, it's cold in the Negev desert, but probably not as cold as it is here in Houston tonight. (laughs) When we looked out at the stars... We looked up at those stars, and you couldn't even count how many there were. When you're looking up at those stars, seconds begin to feel like they're minutes. Minutes begin to feel like they're hours, because you're surrounded by this great expanse that God is pointing to. You're looking up and you're being reminded of what Abraham saw and the promise that God gave him. Abraham looked up and he believed God. And it says that his faith was counted to him as righteousness. His faith was counted as righteousness. Before we continue to dig in, I want to add a running definition of faith, if you will. Hebrews 11.1 is our definition. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for. I kind of like the ESV translation on this one, but just this one says, faith is the conviction of what is unseen, the hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. You see, Abraham did not see his descendants as numerous as the stars, and yet he had the conviction that God would carry out what he promised him. He was commended for it. The truth is, the scripture says in Genesis 25.10 that Abraham died and was buried. Abraham was a man that had the conviction that God would bring about what was promised. And he was a man that died with the conviction, although he did not see it. His children have had to carry out that promise for him. Abraham 
did not see what was promised. Therefore, his children would have to carry out the promise for him. Saints, can you say promise for me? Turn to Deuteronomy 6. We're going to pick up in the first verse. Say there when you're there. These are the commandments, decrees, and laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commandments that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Here we hear a reiteration of God's promise with some more specificity. And there are also other things that are introduced that relate to this promise. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Say all your heart. With all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. See, years after Abraham had died and was buried, his children, his descendants, were entering into the promised land. And here in Deuteronomy 6, they're giving specific parameters on how to inherit and live in the land. Say parameters for me. If they do not obey the parameters, they fail to move into Abraham's promise and bring it about to completion. See, God gave a promise... And then he gives parameters on how to inherit and how to remain in that promise. I want to pick up with our first slide tonight. The law. The law inclines their heart. What is the law supposed to do, saints? First and foremost, it's supposed to incline their heart. What we want to sit for a moment and emphasize is that this promise was given to Israel. It was given to Abraham and Abraham's descendants. And the law was intended to incline their heart and provided the parameters for their promise. It introduces the promise of God and shows them not only how to obtain it, but how to remain in it. With every promise comes parameters. Parameters must be taught to every generation of Abraham's descendants so that Abraham will receive his promise. As we summarize the law into inclining their hearts to introducing a promise and to giving parameters, we want to move forward into the prophets. Turn with me to Isaiah 29, verse 22 through 23. Isaiah 29, 22 says, Therefore, this is what the Lord who redeemed Abraham, who redeemed who? Abraham. Abraham, Says to the house of who? Jacob. Jacob. So are we talking about Americans here or are we talking about Israeli Jews? No longer will Jacob be ashamed. No longer will all their faces grow pale. When they see among them their children, the work of my hands, they will keep my name holy. They will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Come on now. You see, as we dig into the prophets, you start to see something form. You start to see something continue. Throughout the prophets, God reminds the descendants of Abraham in midst of severe trial. Can you say that most of the prophets take place in the midst of severe trial? Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. In the midst of severe trial, 
the prophets remind them that their shame will be shattered. Come on, isn't that a good thing? Yeah. That the shame of Israel will be shattered. The faithfulness of God reminds them of the perseverance that they must have, otherwise Abraham fails to, fails to receive his promise. You see, the prophets are constantly reminding the descendants of Abraham, you must persevere. God is going to wipe away your shame. He is going to shatter your shame. He is going to smash your guilt. Therefore, you must persevere in the promise given to your descendant Abraham. As we continue through the prophets, you're going to see over and over the prophets reminding them, descendants of Abraham, friends of Abraham, children of Abraham, my friend. Why is he saying that? Because he's teaching Israel how to persevere so that Abraham may what? Get a fulfilled promise. If they do not persevere, Abraham is left unfulfilled. Let's consider Isaiah 41. We're going to pick up in the 8th verse. But you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. See, over and over again, God refers to Abraham as his friend and refers to Israelites as his descendants, those that he has chosen. I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners. I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God will be faithful to Israel for the sake of his word, for the sake of his name. Because of the promise that he made to his friend, Abraham, the descendants of Jacob, his servant Israel, he will strengthen them. He tells them, do not fear, do not be dismayed. I will cause you to be able to walk out the parameters for your promise. God will uphold them by the righteousness of his right hand. It's not dependent upon someone else's righteousness. It's dependent upon his commitment to Abraham. The question is, which one of us participate in that promise? God calls Israelites out of captivity. And some have not made it. And the ones that he is calling out, he says, I'm going to strengthen you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. They have to persevere without fear, knowing that God will uphold them. They have to trust in that word and trust in that promise. Let's consider our next passage. As we move on through the prophets in Isaiah 51, verse 1. It says, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut, and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was but one, and I blessed him and made him many. You see, at this point, in the prophet's historical setting, God had made them many out of the one Abraham. God had started to fulfill his promise to Abraham, but it was not yet fully complete. They are many at this point, but Abraham still does not fully inherit his promise. Over and over, things God promised to Abraham, they still don't have. The children, gleaning from this passage, looking back to their father Abraham, looking to the rock that they were cut, they have to look back to their, to their father Abraham, and God is teaching them to persevere just like Abraham persevered. Man. When he's telling them, look back to your father, he's saying, look at his life. Look how he walked faithfully. Look how he persevered, and you must do the same. We want to show you our second slide concerning the prophets. 
You see, the intention of the prophets is not so much to warn our souls. The intention of the prophets was given to warn their souls so that they would not fall short in times of trials and difficulty so that Israel would learn to persevere through them. It teaches them perseverance. We want to go back for a little bit. For Abraham to receive his promise, this means that the children must first remember the promise in the law, they must walk in the parameters given in the law, and they must persevere as spoken by the prophets. Are you starting to see a pattern for them? They have to remember the promise, they have to walk in the parameters, and they have to persevere. Now we're going to move on into the writings as we turn to Psalm 105, verse 5 through 9, and see what the writings have to say. Say there when you're there. We're going to see that the writings have a consistent testimony here. Remember the wonders He has done, His miracles and the judgments He pronounced. O descendants of Abraham, His servant. O sons of Jacob, His chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers His covenant forever. The word He commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant He made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. See, this is a call to the children of Israel to remember. To remember that original promise. To remember what they originally called to. All too often we have to be reminded of that original promise. Each generation of Abraham's descendants is on the line. And the hot seat, if you will. They are at war. They are participating in bringing this promise about. They're in battle as we speak. They're in battle in the Psalms. They're in battle now. Because Abraham's promise still needs to be fulfilled. By their remembrance of the command and the covenant, they can produce that thousand generations that was promised to Abraham. The call that was given to the children of Abraham was not only to hold on to the promise, hold on to the parameters. It was to abound and be fruitful and be numerous. Let's take a look at our next slide about the writings. Guides whose strength? One more time. All right, saints, we're going to do this until everybody's with me, not just Nick. Guides whose strength? Amen. And instructs them on how to produce life. See, this was put there to show them how to walk this out, how to guide their strength, how to take the promise that was given, the parameters that were given, and be fruitful with it. Do we want to be fruitful tonight? Let's take a look at our next slide. We want to give a summary so far throughout the Tanakh. Israel has a promise through their father. That's uncontested, correct? Everybody in agreement? Israel has a promise through Abraham? Israel has to walk in the parameters given to their father Moses. Israel has to persevere through trials, failures, and shortcomings as given through their fathers, the prophets. Israel has to produce abounding fruit as spoken by their father David. You see, for Abraham to receive his promise... His children must do these things. His children must remember the promise, must walk in the parameters, must persevere, and must produce abounding fruit. That means that every generation of Israeli Jews today must be moving these things forward, otherwise their father Abraham doesn't receive his promise. Interesting, huh? Let's turn to the New Testament law and continue to get a bigger picture of Abraham and his children. Let's turn to Matthew 22, 
verse 31 through 32. An argument rose up amongst them about the resurrection of the dead. And they go to Jesus. And Jesus answers in verse 31. He says, but about the resurrection of the dead. Have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So when God shows up on the scene, years after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are dead... And he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Is God saying that he's the God of these dead men in the past? Or is, is he saying he's the God of men who live now by his power? Many times in the scripture, God is spoken of in this way. This shows us that although these men died and were buried, they are very much alive today. They are not dead. They are alive today because the word says that they will inherit the land that was given to Abraham, their father. The word is keeping them alive. So if that is true, imagine what Abraham is doing right now. Think about that for a second. If Abraham is very much still alive, what is Abraham doing? Probably watching his children. Probably looking to see if they are going to complete his promise. What would he say about that? When we're talking about the resurrection, this reminds me of a popular quote. This is by D.L. Moody. He said, someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northerfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that is all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint. A body fashioned like unto His glorious body. I was born of the flesh in 1837. I was born of the Spirit in 1856. That which is born of the flesh may die. That which is born of the Spirit will live forever. Now, right now, at this moment, Abraham is not dead. He is very much still alive. And Abraham, just like the fathers that have come after him, are speaking a message throughout the Word. Do you want to hear what that message is? Then turn with us to Luke 16, verse 22 through 26. Come on now. Someday you will read in the papers, D.L. Moody is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? I know you may be sitting here on a Wednesday night wondering whether or not we're going to drone on on a long theological discussion about how Israel relates to the promise coming. I assure you, it 100% is going to be centered on Abraham and his promise. But believe me, you are not going to be left out. There is something that is going to happen inside of us where we go up a little higher. Where something of that resurrection of the dead begins to hit our souls. Do you want to go a little higher this evening? Who's in Luke 16? The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. 
Many times we've preached on this passage. The man shows his character even beyond the grave by saying, look, send the servant, send him to work for me again. What we want you to consider this evening, though, is Father Abraham. How does Abraham relate to this man? He says, my son, much like Joshua speaking to Achan, this man is an Israelite and a descendant of Abraham that he is able to see. He knows what the life that he lived was. He knew that he did receive his good things and what things Lazarus received. And when it came time for them to go to their respective places, Abraham's decision had already been with the Lord. No, my son, in your time, you received your good things. Abraham was watching his life. This is more than just a parable. This is a window into how God views the creation and those who have gone before us get to see the creation. This is 2,000 years after Abraham has died. It's not just a story. Abraham is very much so alive. We serve the God of the living, not the dead. We serve a God that is raising us up, has raised us, and it will be fulfilled in the future. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are with him now. And in this passage, he is watching his descendants to see how they live. Makes you wonder, how is heaven watching you live? See, it's not just the God of all creation that is watching us. It is those that have gone before us. Let's pick up in verse 27. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. You remember earlier when we made you say, Their law, incline their hearts, their prophets. Hear what Jesus says here. Abraham says here. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced. Even if someone rises from the dead. We have to consider here for a moment that there's more at play then we typically realize we have a tendency to oversimplify the gospel in a special kind of way. We hear what we want to hear, what we've heard about growing up in Sunday school. But Abraham is here watching his descendants. He's watching to see his promise fulfilled and looking to see if his descendants abided by the parameters. Hey, what does Abraham remind them of? Moses and the prophets? Abraham's speaking to his descendants in here. And he's saying... Look, they have the promise, they have the parameters, and they have the word of perseverance. If they won't listen to that, they won't listen to somebody rising from the dead. Imagine Abraham's earnest desire here. You have to kind of play this game with us as we're going through the story. But picture Abraham, old father, probably got his cane. He's completed his walk. He's walked in his faithfulness. He has completed what God told him, and yet he still does not have a promise fulfilled he still does not have a full inheritance abraham must be must be standing right now to this moment probably not sitting down probably standing wondering if his children are going to rise up and help him complete his promise come on now come on what kind of suspense might abraham be in right now not talking about a hypothetical situation right now what suspense do you think abraham probably is in if abraham was the first to set apart Set about on this faith 
And we have 2,000 years later when we have gone through the judges. We've gone through Joshua. We've gone through Samuel. We've gone through Solomon's reign and the destruction. And he's still watching. What do you think that speaks about our God's character and the men that have gone before us? See, he did not give up on this promise. 2,000 years after the fact, 4,000 years after the fact, he has not given up on the promise. It's almost like those who have gone before us are looking to see what we do with the promise that was given to them. Let's turn to Hebrews 11. Turn to Hebrews 11 and verse 1. When you get there, shout a loud there as I open back up my notebook. Yeah, this is great, huh? Having some technical difficulties. That's okay, I'll share with Judah. Hebrews 11 verse 1. says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Who are the ancients here? Abraham. Abraham in the list of men that follows lived a life of faith because they did not see their promises fulfilled. Come on, Hebrews 11 is the chapter, the faith hall of fame. We're going to list some men who had to live by faith because they never saw these promises fulfilled. Come on now. This is why their trust grounded obedience gained credited righteousness. That's why God credited to them righteousness because they had trust grounded obedience by faith. They didn't fully get righteousness. They will one day, but they did, got credited it to them. As we move on, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life. By 7, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, he went. Verse 9, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger. Verse 11, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah was barren, was enabled to become a father. Verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they, what? Died. Died. They were still living by faith when they died. What does it say next? They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So you mean to tell me, as great a man as David was, he died living in faith without a promise. As great of a man that Moses was, he died living in faith and never saw a completed promise. All of these men were still living by faith when they died. They did not see the completion of what God had promised. Man, that ought to mess with your eschatology for a little bit, won't it? Yeah. That means they will have to see the things that have been promised to them, won't they? What does verse 17 say? goes on to say, by faith, Abraham, when tested, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Isaac, who was offered as a sacrifice, blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites by faith, Moses, parents hid him for three months after he was born. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, by faith, by faith. You hear progression here. We're walking through the generations as something is happening. And yet the answer to each one of these lives 
is by faith. Can you say by faith with me? By faith. One more time. By faith. If Hebrews sees fit to say it this many times in a row, it ought to sink inside of us. All these men and women lived a life like their father Abraham because the promise depended on it. By faith, they had to believe in a promise. What was the definition of faith? We were going to believe and act in something that we had not yet seen. Hebrews just said they got to welcome it from a distance, but they didn't actually get to see it. By faith, they had to walk in the parameters. By faith, they had to persevere. By faith, they had to produce abundant fruit. If Israel today does not walk in the parameters, persevere and produce, Abraham's promise is still locked up. It's in suspense. It's on the line. Abraham himself is now in suspense, chained up by unfulfillment and concerned for his children. The father of the faithful that begins this list, that is the genesis of this list, of everyone who did a deed in faith, is waiting in suspense for the day that it is fulfilled, for the completion of it, because they have not seen it, only welcomed it from a distance. Let's take a look at verse 39. So you see Israel here teaching us something. When you go to Israel today, you can walk into Hebron and you can see Abraham's children remembering the promise, walking in the parameters, persevering for what God told their father. And they are trying to produce the generations who would do those same things and in even greater magnitude because they know the promise of their father depends on it. They are literally surrounding their father's grave doing these things. And Abraham is not in that grave. Abraham is still alive watching them, cheering them on. He's in suspense. He's locked up. He hasn't received that promise yet. And he's waiting for the time that the promise would come to fulfillment. Think about that. Father's in suspense. Verse 39 says of Hebrews 11, These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Man, that's a great thing to be commended for your faith, isn't it? Mm -hmm. How many of you want to be commended for your faith? I do. Man, I want to be commended for my faith with all my heart. If I could be included in the list of Hebrews 11, I think I could die and go home and be with Jesus because I was commended for my faith. Maybe not. And yet there's something in the Greek I want to show you here. In the Greek translation, it says... And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, not received the promise. Having obtained a good report. It's interesting. Sounds a little bit less exciting than a commendation for your faith, right? How many of you just want a good report? I want to show you the definition. Yeah, after having a bad report for so long, a good one is kind of a good start, isn't it? Amen. I want to show you that definition of that Greek word. Uh, You probably have to borrow Cody's glasses to see it. But I'll read it for you. It's Hebrew, sorry, Greek 3140. Martyreo. Many of you are familiar with that word. Witness, martyr. Some of the definitions talk about this as obtaining a good witness. But I want to read to you some of these. You see in the highlighted section it says, Have obtained Good report says to testify, be well reported of, to have testimony, to obtain a witness. 
Think about that as we remember those men. Those men and women were commended. Those men obtained a good report. Those men have a good testimony, but that's all that they have. They have a good testimony, but they don't have a fulfilled promise yet. Think about that. Has Abraham received a good testimony? Yes, we're still singing songs about Abraham. He's the father of us all. He's the father of the generations, the father of the faithful. Abraham has done enough to receive a good testimony. Has Moses made a good report for himself? Come on. I would say so. Has David obtained a good witness? I would say so. But they have incomplete promises today. All they have is a good report. But they have incomplete promises. They are locked up. Everybody say locked up. They are in suspense. And concerned about their promises until they are fulfilled. We've made the case already that they are very much alive today, but they're alive today with a good testimony only and an incomplete promise. How many of you want Moses to still have an incomplete promise? Come on, how bad is it to feel that Abraham has just a good testimony but an incomplete promise? Come on, I told you this was going to apply to you. The truth is that Israel is a tremendous lesson for us. As the children of Israel, they have got to set their fathers free by walking in their promise. Not about knowing about what happened in the past. They have to set their fathers free by walking in it. Because of the promises that have been given to this house, that we possess, we very much so could walk through something like Hebrews 11. God has granted promises in here that are yet unfulfilled. That something is waiting to break the suspense, to break the chains, to break the things that have held it bound up. Why don't we take a look at a little LCM version of the Hall of Fame, Faith Hall of Fame. You know, I think if we had an LCM, Hebrews 11, it would sound something like this. Elder Charlie, by faith, left everything to follow Christ. By faith in 1993, Charlie stood and proclaimed about a vision that God gave him where an arm of God was formed out of individuals in the churches. By faith, he left his home. And not the kind of home that you left where you bought it and paid a note. The kind of home that he built with his own two hands to join LCM. By faith, he strengthens this congregation today. By faith, Pastor Eric recklessly abandoned all to follow Christ. By faith, he moved from his home and labored tirelessly, tire, tirelessly to see LCM built. By faith, he labors to see the success of other ministries now. Pastor Matthew, by faith, he left his home and his family to follow Christ. It cost him something. By faith, he moved to Houston to pastor at LCM. By faith, he fights for your family now. By faith, Elder Baj left the comfortability of the community he was in for decades. By faith, he endured the persecution of his family. And by faith, he stands with you in your trials today. Pastor Wade, by faith, forsook the security of his job. By faith, he uprooted his family to join a small, little-known church in Houston, Texas. By faith, he shepherds you with integrity of heart and skillful hands. 
By faith, Elder John left his way of life to follow Christ at a storefront church. By faith, he was discipled diligently and to a standard that we can all look up to. By faith, Elder John and his family guards you today. By faith, Rick Lawhon was radically born again. By faith, he moved here with nothing but a busted car on a trailer. By faith, he labors alongside you even today. By faith, the Reosaurus were transformed in every way. By faith, they divested themselves of all financial security to fulfill a vision from God. By faith, him and his family agonizes every day to see that vision continue. Come on now. Assad and the Robinsons, by faith, they left the world to follow Christ. By faith, he devoted himself to daily disciplines as he leads his home in God's given promises. By faith, he stands with you unmoved to this very hour. You know, we could go on and on about the prophets and the others that are there. There are many stories in this church that are supernatural. I think you get the point, though. There are so many of us walking in faith, shutting up the mouths of lions, routing the enemy and conquering kingdoms. But it stated with the prom- it started with the promises of our fathers. Think about some of the promises that were given to our fathers. See, I remember hearing about the arm of the Lord that would be built up by individual lives. And then a fire from God was going to spread across the earth. Elder Charlie had that vision, and we've all been working to see it fulfilled. I remember hearing about precious metals of the earth that would be drawn out and watching it happen. Hearing about one life at a time, life-changing ministries, and that being turned to families and then to nations. You guys remember hearing about meat on the bones. Around this time frame, we were praying and God was speaking to us that the frame that he would had built in us, he was going to pack meat onto those bones. What about the house of heroes from Adullam? The God was building a house of heroes out of this room. A band of survivors that would take root below and bear fruit above. Prosperity and growth that was going to add to our lives. Twelve springs and seventy palms. That there would be twelve churches that fed the nations. What about the region of Aswan? It's not even just a country, it's a whole region. Now wait, 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 wait. thought the region of Aswan was... Our promise. You see, not really. When God began to form this message in us, we looked back on the promises that God gave us about a swan. And you know what we realized? God spoke to the Treaster family about Israel in 2016. You know how excited we were? You know how much we were tempted to think, oh, this is a great new promise. God's doing something wonderful. It's brand new and God gave it to me. Until you look back and realize that He didn't. God gave it to the man who pastored our pastors. God gave it to our pastors. And they died daily so that they might have the hope of going to Israel and planting churches. And then someone else came and took up that promise. Because it doesn't start with us, it starts with our fathers. You see, our fathers get the promise. And it's up to their children to walk in those promises and see them fulfilled. See, saints, none of these promises can be fulfilled in a single generation's testimony. No matter how magnificent that testimony is, even if you're Abraham, David, or one of those that were commended, these promises must be fulfilled with those that come after. I want to ask you in this moment, how many times have you heard a vision that God has given and two years later we don't remember it? I want to tell you in this moment, God remembers the promises that He has given His people. 
He has not forgotten them, and He will bring them to pass. The question is, who will be His vessel for it? Promises were given generations ago that are being fulfilled now in our day and our time. There are others that are given. The magnitude is so great that we will see this generations down the road. But we each have an obligation to participate in this promise. What has been given to our fathers, we must fulfill. We want you to think about what has been given to you in this church tonight. As we go through these things, you're going to be reminded of promises that have been given to your fathers. The truth is, is that the Lord has blessed us abundantly with fathers who have received promises. Hasn't he? I mean, that's basically how this church was formed. Fathers who have received promises. But our fathers are only receiving a good testimony now. Our spiritual fathers are only receiving a good testimony now. While their promises are incomplete. That means that Elder Charlie, Elder Baj, Elder John... Pastor Matt, Pastor Wade, and Pastor Eric have a good testimony. Man, they have sure made a good testimony about themselves, haven't they? Amen. Kind of depends on which side of the line you're on. If you're in sin, you don't think they have a good testimony. If you're righteous, pursuing it, you think they have a great testimony because you see it all around you. They have sure made a good name for themselves in the kingdom, haven't they? But that's all that these men will have. That's all that Pastor Matt will have is a good name. That's all that Elder Charlie will have is a good name. That's all that Pastor Eric will have is a good name unless you walk in what God has shown you. Unless you walk in the parameters that God has given you in this church. Unless you persevere. Unless you produce abundant fruit. These men will only have a good name. Do you want these men just to have a good name only? No. We want them to have complete promises. When I look at Elder Charlie, I want him to have a complete promise by God. When I look at Elder Baj, I want to help complete his promise. I don't want them just to have a good name and then die and be buried. I want them to have a complete promise and I want to help them get it. You see, if we don't do these things, then our fathers stay locked up in suspense and unfulfilled. These pastors and these elders that you see before you are literally in chains looking at us saying, when are we going to rise up and fulfill the promises that God spoke to them? They are locked up and in suspense. Come on tonight. Do you, don't you want to free your fathers from that? Amen. Don't you want to rise up and see Elder Charlie receive a complete promise? Don't you want to rise up and see... Pastor Wade receive a complete promise because I'm telling you they are dying to see you. They're dying to see us walk in those things. Justin, but I thought promises were for me and my family. No, saints. Promises in the kingdom of God are always going to be fulfilled in someone else. They're never about you. They're never about your personal gain and your personal success. They're about what's coming from you. And the same way that you are hoping that your children will fulfill what you were called to do, We have an obligation to those that have come before us to fulfill their promises. The kingdom is never a solo sport. It is never a lone shark or a lone wolf. Somehow, he's the great man of God seeing the promises fulfilled. Abraham, Moses, and David, they've all been waiting for something. And it's found in verse 40 of chapter 11. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. God has planned something better for the spiritual sons and daughters. Look around the room. 
Pastor Matthew, Pastor Wade, Elder Charlie, Elder John, Elder Baj, you're in this room. God is playing something better for us because we get to free them from incomplete promises and push them further. Come on, think about that for a second. You mean to tell me that God has given me something better than He gave Elder Charlie? Is that even possible? Come on, look at these men. Look at, look at Pastor Matt right now. I want everybody to look at Pastor Matt. So handsome. Can you say about your life that God has prepared something better for you than what He's given this man? Can you look at Elder Charlie right now and say the life that I'm living is better than what God gave Elder Charlie? Think about that. Does that make you uncomfortable? It should. And it's what we're called to. Can you honestly say tonight that what God has prepared for you is better than what God has prepared your fathers? If you can't, then tonight's our night to look up at the stars Come and on reach now. for them. Amen? Let's turn to chapter 12, verse 1. See, in verse 40, we learn that God has prepared something better for us with them. So that with them, we may be made perfect. If we move into chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Man, we are literally surrounded tonight, LCM. We are literally surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We're surrounded by a great cloud in this church. We have fathers amongst us with incomplete promises. Abraham is watching. Moses is watching. David is watching. The prophets are all watching us. Our spiritual fathers right now are watching. We have heard so many sermons on the things that hinder and the sin that entangles. And tonight, if you're struggling in those areas, then you need to go back to the thousands of messages that are online about helping you get out of that stuff. Tonight and into the next year, 2020, it's about time that we focus on the running with perseverance instead of running, getting untripped. See, we have to so many times be reminded to throw off things that hinder, to throw off things that entangle, that we can't focus on running. Tonight, we need to focus on running. This next year, we need to focus on running so that we can free our fathers, so that they won't have incomplete promises. Come on, we're talking about a clear vision kind of run. Where every obstacle, every hindrance is out of the way, you know where you're going. We're no longer wondering what we are called to do, how we are called to do it. You know where God has placed you and you're going after it. The reason we're reminding you of the things that God has already spoken in years past is because they're not over with. We have promises that we're going to fulfill here and now. That as we go into this next year, we're keeping them in mind with hot pursuit. No holds barred kind of faith. The Lord has been bringing us up to this point where we are supposed to let it all out. Pedal to the metal. No hindrances left. All too often as Christians, we find ourselves staring at the ground, trying not to get wrapped up in the same weeds that God already freed us from. How about you get up and run so fast that you're in a different place than you were a year ago? I assure you that same patch of weeds won't be a problem for you anymore. If you're a different human being 12 months from now, we'll be talking about the same areas of sin. It's time that we run and run like a man trying to win the race. You know, as a boy, I heard stories about Aesop's fables. These stupid 
Little stories that were supposed to have some kind of merit. Some kind of morality that was intended to instruct the next generation. And it should introduce Aesop to the Proverbs. I want to ask you though, what separates Abraham from a mere fable in history? What separates David from a mere fable in history? What separates Israel's story from a mere fable in history? Isn't that what the world is trying to do? They tell us that David wasn't really there? That it's just a Jewish invention and a story? There is no such thing as the city of David? Oh, Abraham, that was, that was just a guy that had some moral principles and handed it down and it formed the three major religions of the world. Isn't that what's getting stuffed down our throat in the media? It was all an allegory. All an allegory. Oh, that didn't really happen in Israel. They didn't part the Red Sea. They, they just, you know, they crossed at low tide and kind of skirted around the edges. The world treats these things like they're a mere fable. We're going to find out why. But isn't this how the world and weak, faithless fairy church speaks about Abraham, speaks about David? Talk about the Older Testament like, oh, that's just a historical record, you know. God didn't really mean all of that. It was kind of an allegory. It'll come about. It's just a fable to enhance your understanding if you decided to take the time to read it, but you don't really need to. What separates you from any other fable of wisdom? Our promise, our testimony. It rests on nothing else besides the faithfulness to fulfill that promise. It's what separates us from the false fable. In the end, the words of the faithless will be proved false. There is a distinct difference between a story and an inherited promise. But if we don't fight to see the promise, then all it was was a story. You catch me here? What's different about reading the Bible is that it is real and there's a fulfillment to the promise. When you walk in the parameters of God, when you're willing to persevere, when you're willing to produce fruit, it is real. Go read the Odyssey as much as you would like to. Go read Fox News as much as you like to. And it will not have that effect in your life. How many backslidden Christians have treated the testimony of God as if it is just some fable? It's an optional merit, optional story that is, you know, it's teaching you something that you could or could not apply in your life if you wanted to. No, the Word of God will prove true when you stand on His promises. It is real. It is powerful. All that is required is that we treat it faithfully. And you know, on that point, isn't that what the scared faithless, compromised people who leave our church say about the promises that God had given to our fathers? Isn't that what the men who run away from this church to go live lives of sin say about the promises and say that about our fathers? Isn't that what they say? That's you know, just that's just fable. fables. No, that, that uh, Pastor Matt, no, that's just fables. It's not a promise. You know why they say that? Because they haven't seen it fulfilled. The truth is, is that freeing our fathers instead of disregarding them or making excuses for them is what separates them from a mere fable and a completed promise from God. Come on now. You see, when you, when you lack the faith, when you refuse to walk in the parameters, when you refuse to persevere and you res- refuse to produce fruit, you know what that does? That be- makes you look at your spiritual fathers and go, no, it's just fables. The things they've heard are not really from God. That's just an option. And the truth is, if you have the attitude that I'm going to free them in the promise that God has given them, then you begin to rise up and see them completed. Come on, on. somebody say, I'm the answer. answer. 
You are the answer to the promises God has already spoken. You are the answer. If you walk out, if you choose to settle for a fable instead of fact, you're stealing that promise from God. Stealing that promise. But when we stand as the answer, say, no, that promise is going to be fulfilled through me and my children. Then you find God's supernatural power. Because you are obeying His will, fulfilling His word and His promise. Do you want power? Turn with us to Colossians 1, 24. We're going to start to talk about a completed promise and freeing our fathers. Come on, are you guys getting something tonight? You guys want to free your fathers? You guys want them to have completed promises? It says, now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is lacking, still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ and you, the hope of glory. You see, the fact that God has prepared something better for you. God prepared something better for you here right now. That fact has been a mystery that has been kept hidden for ages. For years and millennia, Abraham and the prophets, Moses and David are sitting there wondering when their promise is going to be fulfilled. And then finally it's revealed. It is for you to complete it. It has now been disclosed to us, church. What has been to... and, And I want you to get something. You are receiving a revelation that has been kept hidden for ages. And that revelation is still lacking something. Did you catch that from earlier? Paul saying, I desire to fill up what is still lacking in Christ's suffering. What is being revealed now is still lacking. That means there's more work to be done. All of these things will remain just fables and good reports unless we fill up what is lacking. Unless we stand up and say, I want to complete promises, not just get more promises, not just pray and have a good life, not just come to church and be a part of a bless me club, but I want to complete promises, you will fill up what is still lacking. If you have that desire to stand up, then you will begin to complete your fathers. Hey Judah, what does 1 Peter 1, 10 through 14 say? Briefly, Christians don't like to hear that something is lacking in Christ's sufferings. But it's what the scripture plainly says. When you have in mind that the faithful witness of the Son of God, all creation, what hangs upon that is you are the answer. Because otherwise he's just a witness. But the fulfillment of the promise, the power that comes in the promise, even upon Christ's testimony himself, he places on you. He has a vested interest in you. He cares greatly about you. He's watching to see what you do, interceding for you, because His witness and His promise hangs on you. He loves you in the same way that Abraham cares for his descendants. Listen to 1 Peter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, 
when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. We're going to pick up in verse 13 here in just a minute. But everyone that we just read about, the prophets, men have been looking through the scriptures intently for this day. Because so much of the world's promise is hinged on what we do now with Christ's testimony. There's a testimony that comes from Abraham, a testimony that comes from Moses, from David, and on and on and on. And there is a perfect testimony that comes from Jesus. There's a testimony from the men in this room that God chose to be your father. And all of it hangs upon what we choose to do with it. Say one more time, I'm the answer. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Fathers has been speaking of the things that we are now walking in for quite a long time. Even the angels long to look into the times when the fathers are made perfect. For us, we need to prepare our minds so that we can free our fathers from the suspense that they're in. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans eight eighteen. Say there when you're there. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Come on. Come on, that's a good word, isn't it? What we suffer now is not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. But I want to tell you something. That glory revealed in us is not just about you. That glory will will be revealed in us with our Father's when our promises are fulfilled and we are both made perfect. Come on. That is the glory that will be revealed. When we, together with our fathers, are made perfect. Turn to verse 19. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Yeah. The who? The sons of God. For the creation was subjected to frustration. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. I want to stand and tell you here tonight that when we reach for the promise, when we walk in the parameters, when we persevere, when we produce abundant fruit, the creation itself will receive its promise. Resurrection. Our fathers will no longer be men who just have a good reputation. There'll be sons of God that are being revealed. Come on. You see, creation is expecting those fathers to be revealed. Right now, they're locked up in suspense and unfulfilled. And yet the creation is waiting for Father Abraham. The creation is waiting for Father Moses. The creation is waiting for our fathers in this house to be revealed. And it depends on us. They will only be revealed as sons of God with the promise instead of men with a mere fable. If we don't do our job, if us here today, this body, this church, us spiritual children, if we do not rise up, then our fathers will not be revealed as sons of God. They'll be just revealed as men with a mere fable. Come on, is that what you want for your fathers? I want them to be revealed as sons of God. I want to be revealed as a son of God with them. Do you remember in 2 Samuel 5 when Pastor Eric was teaching a Monday night? When we reflect the heavens and their divisions, we see victory on the earth. 
We see victory on the earth. We see a breakout on the earth. Do you guys remember that? Do you want that? Do you want to see victory in a breakout tonight? Turn to Revelation 6, 9, and we're going to read about how the heaven feel, heavens feel about this subject. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had, been, they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were killed, who were to be killed as they had been, had been, was completed. Saints, this is not hypersleep. This is not some kind of strange sci-fi movie where when you die, you suddenly wake up and it's the end of days. They're crying out, how long, O Lord? How much longer until the restoration of all things? How much longer until Abraham receives his promise? How much longer until we see the fulfillment of all things? They were not satisfied to wait and see when the promise was fulfilled. The heavens and those who have gone before us are dying, longing, and crying out, When, O God, will this happen? When you begin to reflect heaven, when I begin to reflect heaven, we will see the kingdom break out. They are longing for the fulfillment of all things. Just like them, our fathers are longing for a completion. They are dying so that we may join them in mutual perfection. This is why we need to consider Hebrews 13. We're going to pick up in the 17th verse. Say there when you're there. Obey your leaders. Submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give in an account. I want you to consider this for a moment. If those who have gone before us, if our fathers are dependent upon us to fulfill their promise by remembering it, by holding to the parameters, by persevering, and by producing much fruit. See, these men, these leaders, they've established a testimony of their own that for them to be in this position has to be outstanding. But who is it that they give an account for? It's those who would fulfill their promise. Those who would fulfill what was given to them. All too often, we think about a yearning desire to see our promise fulfilled. I want to tell you that the very heavens are crying out, How long, LCM? How long, LCM? How long, LCM? How long will you wait? How long will you wait until you're going after it for me? Some in this room are filled with heavenly power. You are longing to see that happen. Others are wavering depending on the month and how it's been. I want to tell you the heavens are watching tonight. And they're standing there for you. Your leaders are standing here for you. And they are watching over you as men who are invested in what you do with the rest of their life. Because you are their answer. You are the answer to their hope, promise, and their labor. I want to bring up a familiar passage in Deuteronomy 5.16. It says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Pastor Wade taught this last Sunday. You guys remember that word? Amen. He taught us last Sunday that giving honor means giving proper weight. 
It is true that we have to give proper weight to our fathers and mothers. How do we give proper weight? We have to give proper weight by remembering the promises. Come on now. We have to give proper weight to our fathers and mothers. I'm not just talking about your idolatrous blood family here for a second. How many of you read that verse and, oh, well, I've got to honor my father, and you refuse to tell him the truth that he might be saved with? It's not talking about that. It's talking about giving proper weight to our fathers, our spiritual fathers. Come on now. We do that by walking in the parameters. What are the parameters that have been given to us, LCM? Our family teachings. Our parenting teachings. Our marriage teachings. Our mezuzahs. Our family banners. No holds barred attitudes. Fiery faith. White hot zeal and the way of life that we've been learning. See, you have to consider that if these men are your fathers, then you're going to have to walk in the parameters that they're giving you, church. You have to consider that if God brought you to this house, He didn't bring you here just so you can build up your own kingdom, so you can build up your own promises, so that you can have your best life now. You have to consider that God brought you through these doors because He is trying to teach you promises that were given to these fathers. You have to consider that you're here possibly so that you can be helpful to them reaching perfection. You probably never thought of that, haven't you? You probably thought of this relationship as pastor and disciple as them making us perfect. But I want to tell you something. We are here to help make them perfect too. Come on. We are here to make them perfect by walking in the promises that God gave to them. See, it's not so much about your promise here tonight. It's about the promises that have gone before you. And you have to ask, why am I here? Probably because he has something that he wants to fulfill in you. We have got to walk in the parameters God has given this church. Amen. Not just, well, that's kind of cool. I think I might use it. What happened to Israel when they did that? They were not allowed to live in the land. That generation was snuffed out. They weren't allowed to help free their father Abraham. We give weight to our fathers by persevering through trials. Come on, how many of you have had some trials recently? Well, what's a trial? Is a trial something you brought on yourself or something that God's bringing on to you? It doesn't matter. A trial is a trial and you've got to persevere through it. How about persevering through failures? Sometimes you just got to get back up, man, because a promise depends on you. Sometimes you got to get up from a failure because these men will be left unfulfilled unless you do. Sometimes you've got to listen to the encouragement that the prophets are trying to give you because there are promises on the line tonight. How about persevering through sickness? Man, you think the enemy just wants to get one of us, huh? He's aiming to get the whole lot of us because he knows that there are fathers with unfulfilled promises. How about persevering through persecutions? Persevering through faithfulness over time? Yeah, well, it's been a while. You know, I really don't see my promises fulfilled. How about it's not about your promises? How about it's about the promises of the fathers in your household? Amen. We have to persevere through patient endurance. Time going by. Wondering, Lord, when are you going to make those stars appear? Lord, when are you going to make those stars appear? You promised that they would come. I want to see them. We have to persevere through times of not seeing anything. That's what our faith is. And we have to give proper weight to our fathers by producing abundant fruit. Come on, this is the DCD. Disciples making disciples. 
furthering the teachings, new treasures as well as old, trust-grounded obedience that strengthens others, and the arm of God made up of many members. We have to walk in the parameters, we have to persevere, and we have to produce abundant fruit. This is what it means to show weight. Not to our idolatrous blood family. We say, let them go their own way. We are going to walk in the family of brothers and sisters who do the will of God. We are going to walk with our fathers and the promise that God has given them. Amen? Tonight we want to run. We want to run, we want to run, we want to run. It's time that we stop stagnating our growth by failing to give proper weight to the things that we should. Let's not wait until we get knocked on the head three months down the road, a year down the road, and finally realize it. God has given it to us now. It's time that we stop suspending our growth by failing to focus on the promises that were given before us by our fathers. If God supernaturally birthed you, caused you to land here as opposed to any other place on the planet, it was because something of the promises to this house apply to you. Not just a vision, not just a burden, but the promises that were made to men before you will be fulfilled in you. Just like a son born to a household. J.J. Molak has children that God gave him because the promises given to him will happen in their lives. He didn't cause them to go anywhere else. He called them to be J.J.'s. There are promises that are in store for you because of the birthright of where he's placed you. Will you walk in it? Will you stop stagnating your growth? Suspending your growth? It's time that we actually persevere so that we stop chaining our children to our old bad habits and bad ways. Let's not do that. Let's not chain them to the things that have held our growth back for so many years up to this point. It's time that we fight for abundant fruit. Hear the distinction here. Not some fruit, not minimum fruit, not what made you feel good or what seemed acceptable, but that we fight for abundant fruit. God has promised it to us, and we can receive it. I want to put 1 Kings 2, 2 on the screen. We're going to look at a charge together real quick. I am about to go the way of all the earth. He said, so be strong. Show yourself a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways. Keep his decrees and his commandments. His laws and requirements as written in the law of Moses. So that you may prosper in all you do wherever you go. And that the Lord may keep his promise to me. Pause here for just a moment. We have a father speaking to a son. And this father is saying, I want you to remember what God is going to do. Be strong in it. Keep the law of Moses. He's reminding him of the parameters that were originally given to Abraham. Keep the law of Moses. That the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne. David knows he's about to die. And yet he's concerned about the promise, not his testimony. David is reaching for the stars and hoping that his son does as well. Can you empathize with me, fathers? Speaking to your son, hoping that something inside of him will want to reach higher. I want to tell you that the living God is speaking this way to us tonight. He's saying, I have made declarations. I have made visions. I have made promises that are supposed to happen in your life and be the fulfillment of it. And he's speaking to us saying, so that these promises might succeed. We've got to reach for the stars this evening. Something inside of us has got to be willing to go a little bit higher. 
not as a burden, but as a son that has realized I have an inheritance that is abundant, that is overwhelming, that is a promise that was not given to all, but I want it and I want to live up to it. If we raise our sons to reach for the stars, we will be complete. We read Deuteronomy 5 just a minute ago, and it said, so that it may go well with you. I want to submit to you the way that you relate to your spiritual fathers will influence the way that your children turn out and how they relate to you. This is a promise as basic as the day is long in word. The way that we respond to one generation has an effect on how we respond to the next. God honors honoring, and He honors faithfulness. In this house, do you expect a different result than what you give? Today is a day to give what we expect from the next generation and push it a little higher. Because we want them to reach the stars. We want you to reach the stars. And we want our Father's promises to be fulfilled in this house. As we move towards a close, we want to open up Daniel 12, 2 through 4. Daniel 12, verse 2 says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise, hear me, LCM, you spiritual children, will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Tonight we want to reach for those stars. We want to shine like stars tonight. When we carry on the promise, parameters, perseverance, and production, we become like stars. When we reach for the stars like Abraham, our children will become like them as well. When we reach like our spiritual fathers did towards those stars, then we will teach the next generation behind us to reach for the stars. Philippians 2, 15. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God, without fault, and a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe, as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ, that I did not run or labor for nothing. Our charge is that we run this evening. That we run like men who are no longer entangled. Who know what our vision, our parameters, our directive is. I want you to consider for a moment how Paul speaks about the church. It's exactly like David speaking to Solomon. That I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. See, our promises are never dependent upon just us. And our lives never affect just us. The Apostle Paul here is saying... That as they are pure children that are receiving the inheritance, they are receiving what is promised. That he can boast and his labor was not in vain. Tonight we need to remember that it's time for us to reach the stars, both in our own lives and in the lives of the men that have gone before us. It's time that we cause the men who have gone before us to be able to boast. And God will honor this same kind of diligence that we show with our children that come after us. In 1 Corinthians 15, 40-44, you don't have to turn there. We can put it on the screen and look at it together. I want you all to see this. It says, There are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the what? Stars have another. And star differs from star and splendor. I want to tell you that every star is beautiful. Have you ever looked up at a star and said, that's just not shining bright enough? The truth is, is that every star is dependent on one another. 
We need stars that differ from one another. That's why we're raising up a body that we are today. But this is not just talking about the diversity of the church here. It's talking about something deeper. In verse 42, this is about the resurrection of the dead. It says, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead? The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual, heavenly, new body. So what does that mean? means that those, have go- those that have gone before us are becoming like those stars. At the resurrection, those that have died will become like the stars. Come on. But they are dependent upon the resurrection and fulfillment of that promise. To become like the stars, you have to reach for those stars. Amen. It is up to us to bring that about. Those that have gone before us will never become like stars unless we bring it about. Abraham will become a star at the resurrection. Israel will join him in becoming stars with him. That is what was promised to Abraham, wasn't it? When we finish our lives reaching for the stars, we join the stars that have gone before us. We collectively are made perfect. We will become the heavenly host. If we walk in the parameters, walk in the perseverance, walk in producing fruit, we together will become like the heavenly host, stars shining in the sky. You remember we started in Genesis 15, 4. I'm going to read it to you again. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham once looked up at the stars 4,000 years ago. Now Abraham, with his descendants, is ready to become one of those stars. He is now looking at us and yearning for completion. In his lifetime, he looked up at the heavens and saw what would be and what he was excited to see come about. Now he is watching our lives and yearning for that to be made into fulfillment. He will join that heavenly host. He is now with the Father watching what we do. With Father Abraham, our Father, with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the angelic realm watching what we do, I want you to consider one final passage. Our last passage, and you can go ahead and stand with us. It's beautiful to think of Abraham looking at the stars, isn't it? He wasn't able to have children. God told him to look at the stars. God told him to reach for those stars. And now we can say now that Abraham is among those stars, he's looking at us. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Kind of sounds like the heavenly host, doesn't it? Sounds like those heavenly hosts that Abraham once saw. Tonight we are surrounded by that heavenly host. Just like Abraham, we can look up and see the stars. We can look up and see the stars all around us. 
You can look up and see that Abraham has received a good testimony. Moses received a good testimony. Our pastors are receiving a good testimony. But it's up to us to reach for them. It's up to us to become like one of those stars. Tonight, we want to free our fathers. We want to come, not just have a, an altar call where we come and confess and repent and then we leave the same way that we came. Tonight, we want to have one of those altar calls where we get inspired by the vision that God has given our fathers. Mm-hmm. Where we get inspired by the vision that God has given this church. That we get inspired by the fact that we've been a church for eight, almost 18 years and God is beginning to show us some things that are starting to be fulfilled. It's time to get inspiration in this body. It's time to look up and reach for the stars, just like Abraham did. It's time to look up and say, God will fulfill His promises, but you know how He's going to do it? Through my faith. You know how He's going to do it? Through my perseverance. He's going to do it through my producing fruit. Tonight it's time to look up at those stars and see yourself amongst one of them. See yourself and your children and your families as among those stars. It's time to see what you need to be instilling into your families tonight. What you need to be teaching them. What you need to be being taught by your fathers. See, the truth is, is there are so many that have come through these doors. And they thought this was all about them. They disregarded the fathers of this household. And look where they are today. Not doing a damn thing to complete promises. Tonight, we want to stand up and reach for those stars. As we close and begin to pray. When Abraham was struggling to believe the promise that God had given him, he told him to look at the stars. What we're imploring you to do tonight is look at the stars and the fathers that have gone before you. The ones that are in this room and the ones that are not. God has made promises that are only going to be fulfilled through us and in our day. And if you are willing to remember the promise... If you're willing to fight for the parameters, willing to persevere, we're going to see abundant fruit. I believe that God is raising up a house of heroes in this room and that he hasn't forgotten it. I believe that he's putting meat on the bones in families and in households. I believe that he is prospering us with the intention of seeing us spread into 12 churches and across the nations. As we close this evening and think about the sermons to come, more importantly, the months and years of our life to come. It's time that we have a clarity of vision. Pastor shared about this just a little while ago. See, some men hear clear vision. I think, oh, you're telling me what to do. I don't like this. Other men, oh, praise the living God. I have clear direction. There ain't nothing that's going to stop me now. I know what I'm doing. I know what my household needs. I know my brothers and we are going to stand. We are going to push We're going to push until we see success in this area. Why? Because God will make us into heroes. He will put meat on our bones. He will strengthen us and breathe life into us again. Lord, I can see you in the stars. I know you're up there with Abraham. Will you move in my life today? Will something of those heavens meet me here and now? We want to pray and ask that the same God who's in the heavens would meet us as we attempt to fulfill the promises that Abraham is waiting on, that something of the days of old would move inside of this room, that we might see 
the kingdom move. Will you pray with me? Father, we're asking that you would cause our eyes to be clear this evening. Lord, we want to run this race. Lord, not stand to the left and to the right. We want to run this race and follow the voice that is behind us. Father, we ask that you would help us to lift up our eyes now. Lord, and see the promises that you've put in store for us. Lord, like sons of the Most High God. Lord, that you would strengthen our hands, strengthen our hearts, take feeble knees and make them strong in this house. Lord, that we might run with a clarity of vision, with a strength of purpose. Lord, that we might see your inheritance and your promises fulfilled in our day. Lord, let your kingdom move inside of us. Father, as we look up to the stars, Lord, we can see them now and they're watching to see what we do. Lord, we do repent tonight. We repent of low living, of gutter thinking, and we look up to that starry view tonight. Lord, we look up tonight. Lord, we ask that you would raise our heads, seat us tonight in the heavenly realms. Lord, set our minds on things that are above so that we can run after them and fulfill those promises.